0: hi i'm barbara
1: and i'm jamie welcome to the young tongues this is a podcast all about our marvelous and magnificent tongues Ooh, did i get you going well we had tongue cancer Did i just killed the man
0: well don't worry this is not what you think get ready to hear all the ins and
1: outs of our marvelous tongues for a long time we couldn't talk and we have a lot to say now
2: Hello and welcome.
0: My name is Barbara Fountain and I'm the founder of the Young Tongues. Welcome to the Young Tongues podcast. And with me is my fabulous co-host,
1: Jamie. Hello. I'm Jamie. I am technically challenged today. So.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, oh just we, crazy.
0: We yeah. all laugh because I totally messed up my intro, but I can't be bothered to do it again.
1: I'm always like I thought like we've been doing this for a little bit I feel like we got in a groove and then like it hits record and we're like (laughs) but it's good it's good to be nervous because we care so
0: absolutely and and we'll let our listeners in on to a secret we've had major tech issues which is why it's taken so long to bring you an episode and technically Uh, this episode is being recorded before the episode that you will hear here first because we're going to have to re-record that but anyhow all is fine in this wonderful land of technology please send help um anyhow i'm going to try and and rescue that my awful intro and say so the young tongues podcast we're a peer support group for young tongue cancer patients aged 18 to 64 and we've got this fabulous community and we've um, started this podcast not too long ago although it seems age ages ago and we're currently um, talking through our experience. And in the last episode, we talked about our experience post-surgery in ICU, um, having just woke up and that experience, which was, you know, quite a tough one to talk about and quite a deep one. We we hope you recovered. We are all okay. Um, but today we're going to focus, we're still um, within the hospital walls and we're going to focus on all the things that happened in the ward up before that.
2: We're really, really excited because we have our very first guest with us today. We have Hannah. You want to introduce yourself?
3: Hi, Barbara. Hi, Jamie. I am so excited to be your first guest on your show. I've listened to each of your episodes so far and excited to hear some more but yes, I'm very honored to be here. I am Hannah. I'm from the Midlands in the UK. I am just two years clear. So on June the 8th, it was two years since my partial vasectomy um, with radial forearm free flap and partial neck dissection. Uh, fortunately, didn't have to have any further treatment following the surgery, but it was very nerve wracking time. As you've discussed before, you don't find out before your surgery whether you are going to need further treatment so yeah a very interesting time uh, but yes I've got all the anniversaries coming up like first proper meal first time going out so it's quite an emotional time but I'm very glad to be here with you right now I'm so happy to have you so if
0: we um talk about the ward experience so we we've just um woken up from ICU and have been wheeled to, well actually how did that work for you guys because you had pandemic experience so and and my I mean they didn't find a room for me for ages so but I'll cover that later so what was your so Jamie maybe we we'll start with you what what was yours like did you did you know anything about it I mean drugs and all
1: um Let's see. I know I wasn't uh I had that I talked about how I was in that airtight room I think for at least a day or so and then I think I was actually on a floor that wasn't meant for where I was supposed to be but because of you know they had to find space that was needed I guess. So I don't know what floor I was actually on and I had nobody to tell me where I was but I do remember just coughing and co- like hearing coughing everywhere in the hallways and I just knew I was like wow I'm a lot of sick people in here I need to get the hell out of here and just like you know I I didn't know what was happening after surgery with like COVID and how it it was still going I mean obviously it was still going on but I was not like I didn't know how the hospital was like inundated with so many patients so quickly and that was why they were like Okay, uh, you know, if you want to go home, you can, but we don't recommend it. But we kind of need your bed, so we're going to force you to say yes that you're okay and send you on your way. So
0: just, just so you were really early, pandemic, Jamie, um, before we actually really knew what was going on. So, were you in a room by yourself, or were there other people in the room?
1: I was in a room by myself always. And this was March 23rd. I had my surgery. So I think in America, the shutdown happened, I want to say March 16th. I can't remember. But um, before prior to surgery, uh, they called me and they were like, hey, we need you to come in and test for this virus. And uh, this was like that early on, you know, results were taking like up to 11 days to get. They got mine in back within 24 hours because they needed to operate mm. so uh, I was always in my own room
0: and and how many days did you end up staying Roughly, I was
1: in there for about 10
2: 10 days wow Wow! Yeah. Okay. and Hannah so yours when in the whole timeline of pandemic when were you <laughs> I think it was
3: about a year in. So I, yeah, it was April 2021 that I'd gone to the dentist about finding the lump. Um, was a couple of weeks after that before I got my biopsy at the hospital. And then the results another couple of weeks after that. But from getting the diagnosis, it was only four days after when I had the surgery. So. Yeah, I was definitely a year in, but we still had to do the um like COVID test beforehand. Wasn't allowed anyone else visiting me in the hospital. Um, so yeah, quite still in the brink of the pandemic, shall we say. So what was it like for you having to go in like by yourself? Because with
0: Jamie, we we heard that like they didn't even allow her phone in at first, and then they smuggled that in later. What? Did you, were you at least able to get, take
2: some stuff with you? How did they prepare you for that? Uh, yeah, so I was
3: allowed to take my phone with me. I took like a hold all type bag with me. Um, my mum was able to bring some things in partway through my stay and just sort of swap, but we weren't allowed to see each other. She was just allowed to bring it to the ward, drop it off with the nurses and take anything that I thought, well, I I don't need this it was a bit oversight bringing more than I needed really um but yeah it was really hard not having visitors like I I, without my phone I don't think I'd have managed because I just needed that interaction with the outside world to get me through it it was a really really tough time don't get me wrong like 99% of the staff were amazing but nothing beats the comfort of your own friends and family when you're going through a tough time
0: Mm, totally and so you also had a free, um, oh, totally lost my words there. You also had a, um, forearm free flap. Um, all three of us had so the reconstruction to the tongue. Um, so what, what state were you in when you woke up? So, cause you've got like Mrs. High on high of the kite, all happy.
2: You've got Jamie, who definitely wasn't quite as happy. Where were you on the scale?
3: The um, first day that I came around, it wasn't too bad. I was thinking, actually, I'm not really in pain. Obviously, I can thank all the drugs for that. Um, and it was just really odd. It's like you've missed a whole day of your life. Like you've been under anaesthetic for nearly 24 hours and you've come around. And you're like, okay, so what have I missed? <laughs> Is everything okay? Um, I was desperate to get my phone back. I wanted to let my family know that I was awake and I was okay um the second day after that it was absolutely horrific like the medication didn't really agree with me I was starting to feel a bit worse for wear and as I was coming off the anesthetic I felt truly horrendous and they did tell me the second day was going to be the worst so even though I anticipated that I could not really understand how much it would feel like I'd been hit by a bus
0: yeah Jamie I'll just come back to you so how how was it for you like can how much can you remember from that time because it's been a while now as well so
1: yeah um uh, I don't I, yeah I don't remember feeling like really awful I think they, I was yeah heavily medicated for sure um I do remember like weirds like you know obviously I had this Like they allowed my husband to smuggle in my phone. And like I was like constantly like this, trying to like show people like, you know, I I remember I had something stuck in my throat and I couldn't breathe or I wanted to blow my nose, but I had stuff up my nose and I was like, I just could not type that. I was frantic and I think I was like, oh my God, I'm going to suffocate because I can't type this text message to tell the nurse that I'm dying. Like I had a lot of, I think, anxiety about not being able to communicate. And I think that like worked me up a lot. Um, and just, yeah, it's like, I don't know how long I'm going to be in there for. And they, they for sure we're not going to let anybody in. So I was there with my struggling text uh, for 10 days trying to figure out how to get out of there. And it, it's really, you really are in such a vulnerable position, like having surgery on your freaking tongue that you can't even talk and tell people what's hurting you without having to like, te- like, it really was bothersome because I couldn't get my tone across. And then they didn't warn me that someone was going to give me like a sponge bath. They just came in and started going to town. And that was really weird. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. That
2: was strange. I was <laughs> like, who are you? Looks you to me. The, um, oh. uh... Yeah,
0: no, I so so my my experience was very different to the two of you because obviously I had my then fiance, Nick, with me the whole way. Um so once they had a room available, I also had a private room, and I think we all did because of the infection risk. So they need to keep you by yourself because of the transplant and everything, or the reconstruction. Um and what was weird is that I don't know why it happened, but instead of moving me throughout, you know, in the middle of the day, they move you like at nighttime. Um, but I guess they had to wait for someone to leave. So that's probably why. Um, and then my ward wasn't a cancer specific ward. It was a plastic surgery ward. Um, so everyone in that, in that ward theoretically was having plastic surgery. Um, there was most definitely no one else in there, <laughs> which uh, was, a, was a bit strange, but more on that later. Um, so I had this private room. And one of the things I found really weird was that, so this might be UK specific, but on, on the rest of the ward, so I had like a door, but with a tiny window. So I could kind of see what was going on outside. And when I looked out, I could see like the nurse's station. But I could also see the absolute chaos of everything that was happening because there were just people constantly running backwards and forwards. And I then later found out, which then made a lot of sense, um, on the bigger wards where they have like big rooms with like 10 people and so in it. It was full of elderly people with dementia, um, really like high care requirements. I mean, basically the reason they were running around is because people were just getting up and wandering off. Um, which, you know, it was like, obviously made an impression because I thought, oh my God, what, what a job. But also I was in this room by myself feeling really vulnerable and I guess, um, and I think a lot of cancer patients have this, you're sort of in your room and you know that you need to have like a top up of your meds or, you know, you need to have a little bit of help with something but you don't want to press the buzzer because you can see the nurses are so busy. And even though when they come in your room, they're a ray of sunshine and they're lovely, but you're just going, holy moly. So you're trying to do as much as you can for yourself, which is not a good idea. <laughs> not not in the state that we are in with all the tubes coming in and out everywhere. So I don't know if you had similar sort of thing. Jamie, maybe.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's funny how like, we need the most help at that time but I like you know, I was like oh I, I don't need to bother him I can hold on a little bit longer I don't need to press the button yeah but I remember the room had a window uh and it's just I just I got I was I don't remember seeing the same nurse multiple times like I felt like I, a new person was coming into my room every time someone came in I felt like oh my gosh there's there's a lot of like i never saw somebody twice i don't think i did but yeah i just remember being like oh i don't need to bother anybody and i think that's so strange to like reflect on that now that like oh you know i i'm not i don't need to ask them like to fix something or i need more meds or the beeping there was a lot of beeping going off all the time and i was like well they're not coming in here it can't be a big deal but it's weird that like we thought that way That <laughs> yeah.
0: No, it definitely is. Hannah, now you said earlier, or you hinted at, that you were a bit unwell from all the drugs, because me and Jamie were obviously loving it. And, and, and oh, I don't know, well, of the time. Yeah,
2: i is fine. Yeah, but I understand you really didn't. How, how was that? I found the medication really difficult.
3: I don't know if it was. coming off it or it was just so many different things or if there's something that i just wasn't having a good reaction to um but i was quite sick for off the first couple of days afterwards um just felt so weak and all i knew in my head was i need to come off all of this medication and either start from scratch and just introduce one thing at a time or just cope without or just cope with paracetamol i prefer that sort of thing um because it just wasn't agreeing with I knew something wasn't right, but I found it really difficult trying to advocate for myself whilst not able to talk or whilst just having a little whiteboard to write down what my concerns were. So you'd have nurses coming around, putting medication in your drip and putting it in your IV. And I'm like, actually, I don't want that. But without being able to talk, how do you get it across to them that actually I have got mental capacity to say, no, I don't want that medication. Uh, so, I did rely on quite a lot of phone calls to my mum. I had a super mum flying in, uh, ringing the ward and just sort of expressing my concerns. Um, speaking to my McMillan nurse and the consultant. And uh, eventually, yeah, I did come off the medication. I was just on pain relief um, after two or three days. Of, and I did start recovering quite quickly after that. Um, but no, it was quite difficult at first, yeah. Hmm.
0: hmm. I, I I totally hear you, and I must admit, for me it was the same. And I had a really ter- but it's well the same, but very different. I had a really terrifying moment. Um, so it was, I think it was the yeah, it was the night I arrived in the ward. Um, and there was a a nurse there who, uh, I must admit, all of my nurses were a ray of sunshine, but this one particular nurse was not having a good day, or yeah was just not a ray of sunshine shall we say and he um made it really clear that I had to come off the pain relief and so I had to come off morphine and everything but I had just come from the ward and I was still still out of it you know I've just come from ICU so I'd not even settled in the ward everything was still new and this guy was like yeah we're taking the morphine away and I'm like no 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 no, hold on nobody communicated this to me and uh no I I need this like have you like look at me you know, I look like I've been in a car crash. It hurts like I've been in a car crash. Do not take it away. And and he um he just kept going on. Oh, no no you'll get addicted. You need to take it off. We need to take the morphine off. You're using way too much. And in the end, um I mean my husband husband read the the room and and he knows me very well. He knows when I'm about to have a massive anxiety attack. He intervened and said, I, I'm really sorry. I don't think this is a good idea. Can we check? with with a doctor or can we check that this is the right protocol to follow and lo and behold as as soon as the consultant came in was like what the hell are you doing no this girl is remaining on morphine um and we will take her off slowly and introduce different um, pain medication but yeah but the trouble then the trouble we had then is because this nurse had gone on about addiction and because i was quite high myself i then was oh no we need to take the morphine off we need to take them off because I might <laughs> get addicted. Um, Which then my, my husband again had to like sort of sit down and go, Barbara, it's going to be okay. We're going to look after you and we go of this slowly and you'll be fine. But it just, I think it just goes to show that when you're that vulnerable, it's so easy for like confusion and anxiety and, and uh, this whole roller coaster of of emotions. And I have to admit, there's not many things that i remember from the hospital time but that i don't i don't even want to call it fear it was terror that pure terror that this person is about to take away my pain relief without consultation without giving me a heads up or giving me time to make to make that make sense in my head which was already terribly confused i i found absolutely terrifying and i was so grateful i had someone there that was advocating for me and saying no she does not want this so how we could have how it would have how it was for the two of you during covid i'm just like whilst covid was happening i was like recovering already and i was just thinking oh my god i cannot cannot believe this is happening that people going through this without that support so you were even though we didn't know each other back then you were all in my thoughts um and i I just thought it's just an extra layer of horrendousness on this whole awful situation jamie did you have a moment where you needed someone to advocate for you
1: yeah uh I mean, you know, it's funny because, like, there's so many things that you don't realize. Like, obviously, I knew about my tongue. I knew that I couldn't talk and all this. But I I didn't know I had all this stuff, like, from the neck, all the tubes in my neck. Because, obviously, I wasn't getting up to go to the bathroom and look in the mirror. And then, you know, I was like, oh, I, ha- I have all that there. And I didn't remember. I didn't realize my leg was all patched up because I wasn't moving that around, right? So this nurse comes in, and again, someone I've never seen before, and she comes in, she yanks down the covers to look at my leg, and I was just like, oh, yeah, that's right, my leg. They they took took some bits from my leg to make my tongue. Rips off the bandage, like, so fast. And I made a noise. The first noise, I think this was, like, day three, and I was like, ah! I remember like it was audible the first time I did it. And then that hurt so bad. But she ripped that and she heard me and looked at me. And I was like, just, like, oh my God, she yanked it. And she was like, oh, sorry about that. That's how I am with my other patients. But, you know, they're older. They don't mind. I was like, older?
2: You the older people?
1: And, and she, oh my God, like I just remember be like, oh. and again, I'm like fumbling for my phone to be like, fucking best hour. I, I was just I could not get a like that was nothing I couldn't have any expression I was like a pawn person I couldn't express what I was felt like the anger I felt and I was at her mercy and she just kicked it off and passed it up a little sorry about that and then walked whisked away I was like yeah and like and I was like oh I'm sure you know I'm I, I'm sure she's dealing with a lot right now with COVID like I was trying to like make an excuse for that but i was like oh hell no no way she should have done that like ripped it off it was unbelievable and then and then after that the pain wasn't so bad in my legs but when i made that sound i was like oh i made a noise (laughs) like i screamed like you know oh that i think that was the worst of it and i was like i gotta get out of here and that's when i started to facetime my husband and was like um you're gonna have to be available for when the doctor comes in and uh, the nurse to how to to how to do the feeding and then write everything down because I have to get out of here. Like I was like, oh my god, I would like send him text messages and just facetime time and be like I would just hand it over and she would just talk to her. I'm like it it was a lot.
2: <laughs> That's mad That's
0: I mad. know.
1: So so your husband
0: had to learn how to do the feeding and the changing and all of that via FaceTime for when you're Mm -hmm. ready to go home.
1: Yeah, and then because I wanted to go home before they wanted me to go home because I was supposed to be there for two weeks, but they needed the beds and they were like, well, we can't force you to leave, but you're well enough to leave, so we're going to send you home on hospice because... I guess that's the way it worked out on paper. I mean, obviously I wasn't dying. I don't think I was, but that's why they had to do it in order for nurses to come to my home during COVID. And then, so when I came home, he had all, I had all the supplies and then he just remembers um how to do it. And then like a couple of days later, a nurse came and was like, oh my God, you're doing it wrong. So yeah, it was definitely uh it was definitely something, it shouldn't have gone down that way, mm-hmm. but it did because of COVID. Hannah,
2: how long were you in hospital for?
1: I was in
3: hospital for a week uh, Um, at my initial diagnosis appointment. They said, so you'll probably be there for seven to 10 days, and that's all I needed to hear. Seven days, that was it. I'm getting out of there on the seventh day because... Hospitals aren't the nicest place to be at the best of times, but especially during COVID when you've not got visitors and um, it was just a lot. So I just made it my target. Like I need to be strong enough and well enough to go at day seven. Um, So yeah, I was ready to go.
1: Yeah. That was like another thing with um, COVID too. Like there was that added stress, like the longer I'm in this hospital, the more chance I'm of getting this infection and, you know, I was in there at a point where it was like very early on. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm I'm, I'm totally going to get it. Like what I'm in this hospital. All I hear is coughing in the hallway and I see a different nurse every day. So that was like another layer of it. I was like, yeah, this is probably the worst place to be right now.
0: Mm-hmm. I have to admit, I can't remember how many days I was in. I think I was meant to go home after seven. But then um, Miss Drama Queen here kept fainting. <laughs> so... So then, that kept getting delayed because they had to check out my heart. They were worried that something was wrong with my heart because of the surgery, and yeah, it was all fine in the end. But but that leads me to another funny anecdote. See, that's the good thing when you have someone in hospital with you. Funny things happen because um, I was I was mentioning earlier how busy the the hospital was and the nurses were busy, and I sort of realised that um, it was also it was February, which in the UK means the NHS is traditionally really stretched because it's flu season, everyone's in hospital. Um, So we sort of convinced them that my husband should be able to come in outside of visiting hours because he'll make himself useful. So what you mentioned earlier with the whole washing, someone coming to wash you, um, I had it once, but this person then showed Nick and then it was his job because we realised it... Like it would take them nearly the whole day until they come around. To, to me, by which point it's like there's no point. And then he would change the bedding as well. And he would he would help me with my feeds. And he would help me with well, he basically helped me with anything to be honest. And help me go to the toilet once I was ready to go to the toilet. There's another funny. Well, I don't know if you realized. So sorry, I'm I'm gonna sidetrack here because I mean my comedy day, uh, my hospital ho- day was comedy gold. Um, so I want to share this. There's not enough things we can laugh about, but, um, so obviously I knew <clears throat> when, when you have an operation as a lady, I don't know how they do it for blokes, but they insert like a little thing up your hoo-ha. Yeah. So so connect all your pee so you don't wet yeah. yourself. Um, so I was aware of, of that, um, not immediately, but suddenly went, oh, there's something there. Oh, how weird. <laughs> um, and then I was like, I've been there for a few days, and they removed that. And I said, like, "Oh, you're going to remove the other one as well?" And the nurse looked at me. She's like, "What do you mean the other one?" I was like, well, I guess for the poop. I assume you put something there for the poop." And then I, like, no, we didn't. And I just said, "Oh my God, I thought it was all taken care of. I could have just like sat here and shit myself. I had no idea."
2: And-
0: to be fair, she, she laughed. She really laughed. She said, love, with all the pain meds you are on, it would be incredible if you'd be able to have a poo. That's why you haven't had to go to the toilet. But I was just like, I was so naive. And I had just so no idea with what was happening. And oh I was just God. like, and, and it's, and it's, you know, it's a going joke. Nick does remind me now and again, just like, you know,
1: okay. Um, I could just see. I could just hear you be like, oh, "Okay, now's another. Now's the next one. Maybe <laughs> you had something up your ass
2: all the time. Well, then I'd like, I like—I don't know—made a oh, hole or
0: something. In my stomach and put a, you know a jostling bag. Because I oh, just realized jostling bags are a
2: big deal. But yeah, <laughs> I'm just
1: back to cry over it.
2: <laughs> Oh, oh my gosh. So, anyhow, (laughs) that was the toilet taken care
0: of. So by I don't know day four or five, I I have no idea in timelines, but I start need to go to the toilet, which is great because um that means like your body, your organs are starting to work again. Um, so Nick goes with me to the toilet to have a pee, and that all works great. And then I can't remember why or how. Uh, I knew I was about to have some visitors over from like work. And I wanted to have a wash, Well, this time I was more mobile. So we went into my little ensuite bathroom with, you know, with all my equipment, as in with every all the things that were attached to me, and walked in there and I had this, you know, the gown where your bum's are always always cold. Took that off, it, you know, gave me um like a sponge bath, you call it. What washed me down. I went to the toilet, got back up, and I was like, uh oh. Is that what? Faint, boom, and stark naked, passed out on top of my poor, pure, like poor husband who, I mean, I'm, I'm quite a sturdy woman. And he literally buckled under me as my dead weight just oh. fell on top of him. And all he could do, he, he describes it that he was like, um, Oh, you remember that game with the colours where you have to put your hands and your feet on? Oh, Twister. Twister, yeah. It was like in a Twister pose on his back with a whole body weight on top of him trying to get to the emergency (laughs) pull cord to get out. And he eventually pulls the cord and he said you would not believe. Within (gasps) seconds, the door rams open and there's five nurses there and they all pile in. And... Anyhow, I, I I wake up, I come round, and I'm like really confused because I'm like, I'm in bed. I'm sure I was naked a moment ago. I, now there's like 10 people around me and everyone's doing something and yeah, I'm no longer naked. How did that happen? And, and my husband said the first thing that happened, the nurse saw what happened. She took a gown, threw it over me before everyone else piled in. Just to preserve my modesty, and I just want to say, I don't know who you are, but thank you, thank you very much.
1: Because
0: what she wouldn't have known is that my guests from my office had arrived at that exact moment and were standing at the door. was half-naked Barbara Lim gets put back onto her bed and wheeled back into her room. They read, they read the room, and they were like, "Okay, we 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 might come back another time." Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was the first faint and that then continued. Did they
1: ever figure out why you were fainting so much? Was it just like you know, was it when you would like go to stand up and it was just like the rush of Did you say fainting or faking? Excuse
0: me. (laughs) You've
1: been known to do
0: both. (laughs) I I didn't like the attention. Um you're making it. Uh, no, no, I was most definitely not. Well, yeah. it's quite scary when it happens because it goes so fast.
1: Um, well, I what have hit my neck wasn't there. Like you probably to hit your head. Like I don't,
0: that. I don't think I would have been allowed to go to. I, I wouldn't have been able to go to the toilet by myself.
1: I need to they like give you mask. the the fall wrist bracelet? Bright orange. Did they,
0: they do that? They <laughs> didn't, but they really should have. Really, they obviously didn't do that <laughs> assessment um yeah so and it happened again I on day seven so when they were like oh you're doing really well we want you to go home but in order to, for you to go home you have to go and walk once around the ward ah. um so that's their sort of assessment of you know if you're safe and of course I didn't make it around the ward and I again fainted and then the day after they said try again but this time maybe go out but this time we actually exited the ward. I got all the way to exit the ward and there was like a little um, terrace where you could look over the restaurant. Of course, I fainted there again. And there's another really hilarious story there with that, but I'll come back to that. So the cause of it was uh, my blood pressure was way too low. And they basically and they basically said and I had to stop meditating whilst I was in the hospital. I was too chill now. So I don't think that's like, I don't know how like scientific that is. But yeah, they kept checking my blood pressure and they're like, You you really need to stop meditating.
2: But that's like Okay. okay. This
1: okay. is a Zen free zone. So please start. Please getting start. so comfortable. Uh, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> Yeah. And
0: they did an EK um, EKG EKG. Um and that was like fine. That was quite scary as because well, I was like every because I, I felt like All my consultants were scared because they were sort of baffled and they couldn't quite figure out why I kept fainting. Um, And then once I was home many weeks later, they gave me this, um, another like heart monitor thing to wear for a whole week. So they just wanted to check that my heart was sort of doing what it had to do. So that was, that was all fine. So yeah, no, we never, never got to the end, to the bottom of it really. I just, the theory was that I was too zen and that my blood pressure was too low and then I would just faint. Um, yeah, but just, sorry, I'm taking up way too much time, but you are going to love this story. The last time I fainted, so standing out there with a banister with Nick in my hand, I faint. And again, like off-duty nurses come running over, super support, no problem. But at the same time, my mother-in-law had arrived. She actually, I think I just greeted her just before I fainted. And she had my niece, who was like a, a baby at the time, in her arms who had fallen asleep on the bus. So she had like this kid um, holding her like in her arms, but like one head backwards and the legs dangling. So it basically looked like a dead child. So when I fainted, my mother-in-law, ran to the ward, ran into the ward, and went, she fainted, she fainted, was holding my knee. Oh, no. And they were all panicked. It's like, this is not the children's ward. And she's like, what, children? No, no, no. Barbara, your patient's outside. And, like, I just remember the confusion that it caused. And... and um, we still laugh about it because my my mother in law said she had never seen nurses that scared in her life because they were like we don't know what to do with a child and <laughs> not here. So um, yeah, no, no. And then shortly after, I was being wheeled in on another bed that they found somewhere. I was like, hi, oh, sorry again. So, wow, you just
1: really caused a ruckus in there, you know? Yeah, I was really popular. Oh <laughs> <laughs> got god. Watch out. She's going down again. I that Dick was <laughs> probably for like the first couple of weeks. She was probably like, you good? Are you okay? You're good? <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're going to cover the whole
0: subject of being at home after hospital. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. No, he he was, he was scared. He was really scared because he was like every, he said like your fainting wasn't like, because I've fainted before in life, you know, I had a tooth removed once and. I got a bit woozy, and then it's like, "Oh yeah, the lights are going off." I better get on the floor now. But you have sort of time to react or to at least yeah. say. But literally, the lights just went off like this, and I just went, so that okay. was quite
1: scary. I think more scary for him because I didn't know what was happening. I, know, I felt like any time you pass out, any like anybody who does, it scary. You're like, "What? We, like, is it a, like you don't know when it could be?" Right? No,
0: no, absolutely.
2: So did did the two of you, either
1: of you, faint? I don't think you had the chance to faint, did you? No. <laughs> I don't remember fainting. Maybe I did. But Hannah, when you were in the hospital and you were the meds were making you sick. So what did you were you able to advocate to be like, hey now, I don't I don't want those anymore and like did you sit through the pain and for the rest of the days
2: there? I wouldn't say I was in pain so much
3: because you've had quite a lot of nerve damage. So I think most, it was normal, lots of pins and needles. Um, I definitely felt better off the medication than I was on it. And I always felt stronger because I was managing without. Um, one of my hardest parts was I didn't have a feed and treat oh you didn't and they very much wanted me to have a feeding tube they wanted me to have an ng and because i was being sick so often it was coming out out and having it put back in it was quite traumatic and just even think about the possibility of ever having to have one again it's too much to even think about even now um and i think it was just that that spurred me on like not wanting to have to go back on an ng tube and not wanting to be on these medications that make Make me ill. It just made me fight harder to get better, so I could go home and recover in my own environment and not in a hospital. Oh God! Like
0: yeah, I mean the NG tube was already quite uncomfortable, and mine uh, slipped slightly, so it went up. So when the food got put in, you had to, I had to basically I, I didn't realize it at first, but I had to then slow down the nurse because the food was coming back up. So. The tube had moved slightly up and uh, yeah, to, I could not even imagine of them trying to place a new NG tube when you're not on the general
1: anaesthetic. I can't even, I can't imagine them just like going in there and doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: and, and, fro- um, and
0: throwing up whilst having a tube. Oh
1: God. I'm so sorry. Like that, I think that happened to me one time where it was coming I, and that was very like I think the first day I went home but um I do you remember the first time like you got beds like the stuff through the tube it was such a strange feeling I remember being like okay what oh that's weird all right but like it was so weird to like you're getting all this stuff but like I'm you were so thirsty, like, didn't you guys feel that? Like, I was so thirsty, and they're like, I just gave you all this water. I was like, it's not the saying, like, it was so strange to me.
0: Yeah, I can't quite remember anymore, to be honest. I just, they took my tube out relatively quickly, and then I started on soft food whilst I was there. Um, oh, my god! wow. Yeah, yeah I, I recovered quite quickly on that front. Um but that's not true so I went from so they took the tube out and then I went probably on day six or seven whenever they were going to send me home I think it's only because I then stayed longer because of the fainting that I kept you know getting to try other things I was then on, on uh, liquids only for quite a while which you would have been but then I had this weird experience of soft food and they come in and they say what would you like? And they've got this menu and I'm like, well, but I'm on soft food. And I was like, no, no, it is soft. You'll see what, yeah. So I had like this cottage pie thing with, with veg. And I I tell you not, so it arrives and I looked at it and I was like, well, that looks like a carrot. That certainly isn't a carrot. And it basically what they've done is they've mushed on a carrot, put it in like a form and put it out. So it looks like the shape of a carrot. It was the right colour of a carrot. It definitely was a carrot. Not, I couldn't taste, so, but it definitely was a carrot. But it was like soft, like ice cream.
1: Oh, how cute.
0: Yeah, and they did the same with the peas as well, which were like so this weird little bobbly blob. I was like, oh, that's obviously meant to be peas and it's green. And I guess that's right. And it was, you know, I, I must admit, I thought, everyone like moans about hospital food, but I thought, wow, someone's gone through real effort here to try and re- deconstruct food put it back together so you can eat it and have it wow I mean, and yeah it wasn't much, not like just a- yeah and it wasn't just brown because that was the wow. other thing later on when you have because I was on soft food for quite a long time I mean, you do your own stuff it just ends up brown and you're like oh baby, baby yeah. should want to eat this yeah totally it definitely yeah, and- helps
1: with how the aesthetic is for sure
0: yeah, no. The the hospital food the bits that I had were quite good. My favorite was ice cream, anyhow. So,
1: he... yeah, that's that seems to that was like the only thing I ever wanted. Like when I was going through radiation, ice cream was always can't go wrong.
0: It's also one of the only things I haven't gone off because there's a lot of things I can't eat anymore. <laughs> but ice cream's still okay. Absolutely well, fine. Well, what? It'll always be there for us. Yeah. The other thing we have, well. Jamie, you sort of anecdotally mentioned it, but I think nobody gives you enough warning
2: before you go in. Beep, 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 beep. What's the beeping? There's about oh, five machines try.
0: that beep in a different rhythm, in a different way.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> you know
0: we're okay. Why does the beep have to be audible all the bloody time?
1: Oh, I remember being like, oh, they're not worried about it neither am I and then I would make up songs with it and then about 45 minutes later someone would come in and be like how come you didn't tell us this is going off I'm like ah, I thought that was my lifeline dude I I didn't know oh man But well, my
0: my beeps were constant they never stopped throughout my stay there was the Doppler obviously the Doppler is really important um so for those listening who don't know what a Doppler is The Doppler is to make sure that there is blood circulation in your reconstruction. Because if there is no blood, it's going to fall off. So Yeah. Yeah, so there's the Doppler. I don't know what all the other tubes were. There were so many tubes. And there was like all sorts of weird liquid coming out of it. And you're
1: like, oh, gross. That's come out Uh of me. And Especially that one that was in your bum, right? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're never going to let me forget that, will you? Oh, Hannah, aren't you so excited you get to come on on this particular episode <laughs> when Barbara tells us about her butt, too? <laughs>
3: 100% here for the toilet talk, always.
1: <laughs> it's just, you know, I will, you you've made me laugh, you made me cry. It was everything and more.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Well, I've got so many more
0: stories as well, but I just, oh, I need to shut up now. I'm obviously quite overtired and oversharing. Uh,
1: So Hannah, with the rest of your stay, um, when it was time to go, did they send you home with like anything? Like, did you have someone come to your house after? Did they send you home and be like, we're done, you're good to go?
2: Sorry, guys, I caught out there a second.
1: What's that for me? That was for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I was just saying when it was, how did they go about the last day? Yeah. Like, did they just send you on your way and then, like, you're on your own? Or did they send you home with, like, a bunch of stuff and then you come back in three days? Or were you prepared? I guess, were you prepared? Did you feel confident to go home? Like, you were ready to go home with, like, I know emotionally you were, but with everything. Yeah, else I was so back?
3: ready to go home. Um, They told me the day before, yeah, you should be absolutely fine to go. And the doctor just came round for morning rounds, says, yeah, all good to go. We'll sort out your prescription so you can take medication with you. Um, We'll make you an appointment in a few days to have your dressings changed. Um, And they said, oh, yeah, you'll be out by lunchtime. You can arrange for someone to come and pick you up. Got to lunchtime. And the nurses came out, and she says, right, you can't go yet because you've not eaten yet today. i thought, like, right, but I don't really like the hospital food. It's not, not really to my taste, shall we say. Um, I'm going with my mum. She's got pureed foods in for me. She's ready to have me back. I'll eat when I get home. And they're like, no, nope, we need to see you eat food. And being told, no, we are going to watch you eat food to make sure you've eaten today. Oh, it was the hardest thing here I just cried to this nurse I mean I don't think she was particularly mean or harsh or anything but oh it just like broke my heart I was so ready to be back at home back with my mum and it was just all this pressure um luckily she brought me around some ice cream so I did manage to eat some of that but it was really difficult to hear that I was ready but they weren't ready to send me um my mum was outside in the car park and I was like it's making it even harder knowing that I'm so close yet so far and this ice cream probably took me an hour to eat, but I got home. <laughs> but it was a long day that last day. Oh my gosh. Hmm. I can only only imagine
1: just you know, the like anxiety of being like my mom's right outside, like I need to get out of here. And then like after having done surgery for the boys you to eat, I that's crazy. Yeah, you know, different. Different experience, and I had the feeding tube sewn into my nose, so i i was I was very against it. I did not want it, but I can't imagine eat like physically eating either. So, yeah, it's different for everyone, and that's why we want to we want to talk about how it all is for everyone's different experience. And thank God for ice cream, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely, heavenly for ice cream.
1: Hallelujah,
0: <laughs> hallelujah. Hannah, um, yeah, I, I do, I sort of, can, I can feel you, what you're saying, because the same with me, so I had three days, each day they said, yeah, you should be fine to go home, followed by, oh, no, you fainted again, sorry, we can't let you home. So every time I was, like, getting my hopes up, I was packed, ready to go. And then the worst thing was, well, it's not the worst thing, but... Um, one of the things that really got to me was I had to move wards, I had to move rooms. So they kicked me out of my, um, my private room and put me into a communal room with, uh, three other people. Uh, again, so not a massive room, but by that point, like I think the risk of infection was a lot lower. So they, um, so they moved me over there, but that took a bit of getting used to because I had like this. The room to myself for a week, I guess, with an ensuite, and now suddenly I was in this room sharing with people. But that's what became I became very self aware about was then I really noticed that this was a plastics ward and not a cancer ward. Because I was I get I still I still in quite a state. I mean, you know, face blown up and just one arm up and you know a sling and everything like that. And these, there were these three women all opposite me. And then one of them sort of asked the other, oh, what are you in here for? And they were all chatting with each other. And she said, oh, you know, I had, a, had my nose straightened. And she said, oh, that's great. And then, the other, what were you in here for? And she said, oh, I had like a, like a, a lift. Um, and I said, oh, that looks fantastic. And then um, the third one was like, oh, what are you in for? And she said, oh, I had my tonsils removed. And and then they sort of looked over to me, and they were like, "Um, and, and and you, you looked like you had extensive work." And I was like, "I had tongue cancer, and I just killed the mood, solid." And I, I felt bad. In my
3: experience, yeah,
0: yeah, because I felt bad because on one hand, like they they were going through their own thing, and I knocked no one having plastic surgery at all and also it's painful and you have to recover in the same way but then to be placed in a ward with a cancer patient as well it's just I just felt I felt really uncomfortable really uncomfortable because then the other thing that happens as soon as you go oh I'm a cancer patient I had a tumor removed out of my tongue you get the the get you get the shocked look of holy shit I wish I hadn't asked the question but you also then get the oh my god I'm so sorry, and then people feel obliged to talk to you when you're actually like you don't get what I'm going through I don't get what you're getting through like we shouldn't really be in the same room. Um, so, yeah, that was a bit.
2: Weird. So I was really happy once I didn't faint for twenty four hours. So Like, are we here yeah okay. yeah we're here sorry <laughs> like we were having a minute everyone just froze for a
0: moment so it's fine um yeah so i'm just looking at the top i have no idea how long we've been recording because on this new recording device we don't actually have a countdown watch and i didn't look at the clock before we started but i think we've sort of come to a natural point Um. And because we've been totally unprepared, I'm going to ask Jamie, did we have a listener question or Hannah? Did you have a question you want to ask?
2: Putting you on the spot there. Um, because would you like a listener's question at the end? Yeah, you got
1: a question. Cause we like to do, uh, you know, our, what was our last question at the What TV show did you binge watch? Um, during your, well, you can answer that one. Right, We could do that one because Barbara and I answered that one. So, did you have a TV show that you associate with your cancer and recovery? Was there anything that you binge watched that, like, now you think about it and be like, oh, I'll, least, I'll always associate that with this?
3: Um, I can't remember what I binge watched. Um, I do remember the first few days thinking, right, I'm gonna read a book, I'm going to. I don't know, I think i was playing Sudoku or something on my phone over and over again, but there was nothing I could really concentrate on for more than sort of five minutes at a time. Um, I'm quite a people watcher, so i was sort of watching what everyone else was doing on the wards, watching what the nurses were up to. But um, no, I can't really remember getting too into a TV show at the time. I think I was just sort of uh, flicking between multiple things, listening to music and yeah, just um, missing out on, getting involved in conversations I was just having to be a little fly on the wall (laughs) oh yeah you don't want to talk to anyone right during that uh, I remember so
1: much work but actually let's do a two-part question after being in hospital is there anything that you wish you would have brought with you to help with the while being in there
3: Sorry, Jamie, just repeat that question.
1: Was there anything that you wish you would have brought with you to the hospital? Looking back now, is there anything that you wish you would have brought with you to help make the stay a little bit more comforting?
2: Mm,
3: I don't think so. Um, I feel like I was very prepared um, for what I needed and what I didn't need. And obviously because my mum was able to drop things off to me, it not anything particularly that I missed out on. Um, I might change the question slightly. There's definitely things that I could have done without in hospital. For example, in my ward, um, there's a big sign just outside my room. Well, it's a shared room. There's this big sign, and every time I woke up, it, it was just staring at me, and it said, a clean mouth is a healthy mouth. Now, while you're recovering from tongue cancer, that is not something that you need to constantly be reminded. I was like this is not why I'm here I clean my teeth twice a day I use interdental brushes I use mouthwash I don't smoke this is not why I'm here (laughs) but uh, yes maybe a blindfold to sort of uh, stop me seeing that all the time that might have helped
1: Oh, my gosh, totally. And I feel like as, you know, tongue cancer survivors, we're always, like, on the defense a little bit to explain our stories. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm always, like, but I never smoked. I I was very healthy. I, like, I, I brush my teeth all the time. Like, I'm always quick to, like, be defensive. But I can just imagine, like, that sign would piss me off, too, waking up every day in there and be like, wrong. <laughs>
2: God, Hannah, what, yeah, what, what a sledgehammer that is. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I was just trying to think about the question. And I guess um, I think we've gone over this before. I was so overorganized that I took way too much with me, then too little. And then I also at home had lots of little stacks of clothes and different things with post it notes on it, just in case Nick needed direction from me what to bring. The only thing I have heard from other people, like in the community, where I thought, oh, that would have been a great idea is to have a manicure and pedicure before you go in because then you have like something to feel pretty with so that was like something i thought oh yeah that would have been that would have felt really nice to have like a manicure and pedicure done before going in um and i i know someone wrote a message on their body to the surgeons i'm not sure if that's
1: appropriate <laughs> so, good luck like my sit up <laughs> i love that i think yeah. um Greg, uh, DJ Lazy Boy, yeah, he, he shared some pictures on his Instagram when he went in for his surgery. The night before, he had a big old party and everybody wrote on him, like, wrote, like, get well, like, and all this stuff. And so when he went into surgery, he's covered in messages for everybody to read. <laughs> oh, oh, that's yeah. right. I love that. Oh, he's so- I know. Great. It's awesome, right?
0: Oh, I love Greg um yeah dj later boy go and check him out on instagram um he is an absolute legend and we hope uh, hopefully we'll get him on at some point
1: oh, yeah i think i'm gonna meet up with him soon it's gonna be in my neck of love the woods at some point so i'm gonna go see him oh jamie you're in yeah. trouble you better have oh. your party hat on
0: oh i will you know me amazing well okay we have come to the end of another episode i just want to say special special thank you hannah to our very special guest thank you so much for joining us today and also I just need to mention because I didn't mention this earlier in the episode even though my mates told me I should have also big big thank you to Hannah because she has actually joined us as one of our trustees and she's also helping us out on the social media and Hannah is an absolute godsend and she keeps me saying so many times when I text her in the middle of the night and go I don't know, yes, and she's like it's fine, relax. She's a real calming influence. So I just want to say really, really heartfelt thank you for all your support
2: and all your help and um just being an absolute legend. Thank you for inviting me, guys. It's
1: been a pleasure to join you both.
2: Amazing.
1: So oh, sharing, we are so grateful to hear the different perspectives because we all had different different hospital stays and experience with it. So we're just I I know this is gonna help a lot of people to hear how different it is and give comfort. And that's what we need for that time. It's a scary time and I really appreciate you sharing.
2: Absolutely amazing. Thank you so much everyone and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye bye. 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 Thank you for listening. Don't forget to
0: subscribe and leave us a review. You can also follow us on Instagram under at global Or email us at youngtongugs at outlook.com. See you next time. Bye.